Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. And for all those on the Facebook live stream, welcome. Yes, this is not our usual time if you're seeing us on the Facebook live stream. We're actually pre-recording today, but um, I didn't want you guys to miss out. So we're doing the Facebook live stream anyway. Uh, oh, dear Noreen is watching, and Katie, oh, and others too. Hello, mate, Noreen says. Hello, Noreen. Always glad to see you there. Um, so uh, let's uh, get started. Um, oh, boy, look at them piling on. Oh, Sally, thank you for tuning in. Marfil, thank you. Awesome. All right, so um, now... Again, because we are pre-recording and I did have my other show earlier today, these are not today's quotes of the day, but they're yesterday's quotes of the day. Um, but they're very good quotes of the day and they're apropos as always for our guests. So let's see what the universe and Abraham has in store for us today. First, from the universe. I know what it's like. I've seen it played out a few zillion times. You're waiting for that magical day when someone makes the connection and recognize, recognizes who you really are. Maybe they'll first catch the sparkle in your eye. Or perhaps they'll marvel at your insights and the depth of your spirit. Someone who will help you connect the dots, believe in yourself, and make sense of it all. Someone who will understand you, approve of you, and unhesitatingly give you a leg up so that life can pluck your ready, ripened self from the branch of magnificence. Ah, well, I'm here to tell you your wait is over. That someone is you. Good thing you rock the universe. <laughs> we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Reminding us that the most important thing, the most important thing is for us to recognize ourselves, for us to you know, marvel at our own insights, our own depth, to approve of ourselves, to understand ourselves, to, to, to really like just support ourselves and love ourselves and not wait for somebody else to do that. Because when we recognize it in ourselves, when we live it ourselves, oh man, then everybody else recognizes it in us as well. It's an inside job first. It's an inside job first. And when we do it, Life is magical and the universe is there waiting for us with open arms and billions of angels singing our praises in their little happy choir and applauding us when we do. So let's remember that as we go out into our wonderful day. Okay, let's see what Abraham has in store for us. Ooh, this is an interesting one from Abraham. You just cannot kill everybody who doesn't agree with you. You can't do it. You'll kill enough of them, and pretty soon you'll be down to the nitty-gritty that is just you guys, and then you'll start disagreeing with each other. In other words, you can't get to where you want to be by pushing against what you do not want. It never, ever works. Abraham. You see, what Abraham is saying here is like... You know, we all feel that way sometimes. Like, you know, that person just got on my last nerve. I want to get an Uzi out and just shoot everybody. Okay? Now, thankfully, the vast majority of people who uh, have not completely lost touch with reality and who they are, it, it, it's only a fleeting thought in their mind and they never take action on it. Unfortunately, we do have some crazy people who do take action on it. But for those of us who don't, you know, it's the idea of that, you know, we, we think that, like, uh, you know, this person is driving me crazy because they don't agree with me. I just need to shoot them. Or I just need to get them to agree with me. I need to get them to, you know, turn around, stop being who they are, and just understand that I know everything perfectly and you all just got to agree with me. The problem is that never works. Because no matter what happens, there are always going to be people who disagree with you. 
As a matter of fact, no matter what you do, you're going to end up disagreeing with yourself sometimes. You know, it may not happen like right away, but you know, you're going to do things throughout your life that just later on you're going to look back and go, oh my God, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? Or like, what is wrong with me? So it's not about getting everybody to agree with you. Because by trying to force somebody else to agree with you, you're really pushing against a wall. Because let's face it, nobody's going to change their mind. If you try and get them to agree with you, they're only going to push back, dig in their heels, and be more defensive about what they're talking about. Right? I, talk about, I talked about this in my show earlier. We need to honor everybody's path. And that means honoring our own path as well. But look, it's not everybody else's job in the world to agree with you and make your life easy. That's not their job. And it's not your job to make their easy either. Either. Their job is to live their life. Their job is to live their path. However that looks for them, whatever it's like for them, it's for them to live their path. Their job is not to agree with you. It's not to make your life easy. It's not to do what you think should be done. Now, look, does this mean we don't inspire people? Does this mean we don't try and go out there and help people? Does this mean we don't give of ourselves? Of course not. But the key thing is not trying to convince somebody who doesn't want to be convinced. It's not pushing against something. It's inviting people in and living as an example for how you feel the best way to live is. And hopefully that inspires some people. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, that's great too. There's something to learn from that. We all resonate with different people. We all have different frequencies. We all have different ideas. And I appeal to some people, and there's some people who think I'm nuts or crazy or like, who is this dude? And I don't appeal to, and that's fine. But there's somebody else who does appeal to them, and that's even better. So it's not about trying to line everybody up in a straight row and get everybody to march to the same tune. Everybody's going to dance around to their own tune, listen to their own music, even if you hate it. And that's the beauty of life, right? Variety is the spice of life. Let's all stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and let's worry about what's going on inside of us, which perfectly relates to the verse quote that it's about believing in ourselves, seeing the magnificence in ourselves, and we don't need to worry about anybody else. All right. Two. Excellent, amazing quotes of the day. I hope you like it. Ooh, got a nice long uh, quote here from my friend Sally. The need to have the opposites is crazy. The green is never greener on the other side. It's the same as under your feet. Get tired of looking at the same field so next door looks good. Hello. (laughs) Ah, wonderful. Thank you, Sally. Yes, it's like, you know, we always think the grass is green on the other side. We always want what we don't have. You know what? It's exactly the same as what we have. So get over it and let's uh, appreciate what we do have. So what I appreciate is I have in studio today with me a wonderful gentleman by the name of Charles Langley, who is a journalist and an author and a former news editor at the London Evening, London Evening Standard, Europe's best-selling evening newspaper. Charles was raised in England and came out to the U.S. in 2003 to drive from Florida to California but wound up on a Navajo reservation in Arizona as a At a peyote medicine ceremony, he met a shaman by the name of Blue Horse. After earning a degree in anthropology at the University of New Mexico in 2007, he became Blue Horse's apprentice and began compiling an archive on the works of Navajo traditional medicine. Um, And in that, and I'll hold it up here for people on the Facebook live stream. And here is his book called Spirit Land, uh, The Peyote Diaries of Charles Langley, which is in some ways, sort of a spiritual successor for a new generation to Carlos Castaneda's books, The Teachings of Don Juan, and there's a whole series of books that I read back in high school, and they were amazing, eye-opening books to really blow your mind. 
but this is much more contemporary and and Charles really delves a lot into these Navajo rituals which date back as far as the ice age and he really gets into the, um, traveling around and relating his story of working with Blue Horse and I'm very excited and I'm very happy you're in studio with us today recording the show. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Charles. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, so first I, I have to ask, I always love to know, like, what was sort of your initial inspiration that, like, got you to leave England and come to the U.S. and say, oh, I'm going to do a road trip in the United States? I mean, that, that's kind of brave to begin with right there. Well, you're giving me a lot of credit there. <laughs> <laughs> or foolhardiness, I don't know. Stu stupidity and courage are very close together, I know. <laughs> well, you're giving me credit for forethought I didn't really have. Ah. Uh, all I knew at the time was, I mean, I've been an international journalist for over 30 years. Uh -huh. And that's a long time to do anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and fascinating as it is. Um, by the time I got into my early 50s, I, I felt I had enough. But it's very, yeah. very difficult at that stage to swap horses. You know, to yeah. I okay. mean, uh, somebody once said to me, well, why didn't you get a job you know, on another <laughs> paper or something like that? And you know, they talk about Freudian slips. And I'd never thought of this before. It just shot out of my mouth. I said, that's like telling a tiger to go to another part of the cage. You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, I gave it all up. I had uh, no idea what I was going to do. Uh, and I flew to Miami, as you said, and I bought a car. And I'd always had this crazy idea, right from being a kid, really, that I'd like to drive across the United States. I mean, it sounds oh. like a really romantic idea if you've right. never tried it. Right. You know, it sounds uh -huh. like a really good idea. Right. Um, so I set out for San Francisco. I had a friend of mine there who was a professor at the university, an English guy. But I never got there. Uh, because when I got to Albuquerque, New Mexico, some very strange things began to happen. Ah. And uh, New Mexico bills itself as the land of enchantment. Yes. Or maybe I should say that with American accent, the land of, en <laughs> of enchantment. And, uh, but local people call it the land of entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which is actually praise. It doesn't sound like it at first, but it's actually praise because it's such a, a strange place, beautiful yeah. place, that once you get there, Many people, many people never leave again, and yeah. I turned out to be one of them. And what happened to cut what is actually an extraordinarily long story? In fact, the, the story is so long, I thought I, I wrote my first book about it called ah. Meeting the Medicine Men. Ah. Um, and uh, essentially, I met some Navajo Indians mm. quite by chance. One of them turned out to be a medicine man, mm -hmm. and for reasons I've never been really able to explain because it's not a normal thing to happen to a white guy. Right. Uh, I was able to go to some ceremonies with them, uh, a few healing ceremonies, and then uh, the peyote medicine ceremonies. This right. is an all-night ceremony with peyote medicine yes, uh, yes. in the teepee or a hogan in mm -hmm. the, for the Navajos, which is a kind of tr a traditional earthen timber dwelling. And... Um, as time rolled on, I just became utterly fascinated by this. I mean, mm. not obsessed, but just simply fascinated by the whole, uh, the whole kind of ethos, the traditional ways, yeah. the language. They, they still uh, retain their Navajo language. Yeah. Um, and I just found I wanted to know more and more. Okay. All right. I want you to hold it there. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll delve into you know those ceremonies a little bit, the medicine men themselves, and what kept you here for actually quite a while. Yeah. All right. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Charles Langley, author of the book Spiritland, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday, 9 to 10 Eastern Time, and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow, Follow Me Friday, Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I'm very pleased you're all here with me. Oh, it's great to see some old uh, faces. Thank you, Sally, for the comments on the Facebook live stream. It's just a poster. I don't need a fish tank for a poster, really. Um, so, Charles, uh, you, you, you stopped off in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've actually been there. I have a friend yeah. who lives in Albuquerque, but this was back when I was doing something totally different. Um and, and and just out of curiosity, how did you meet these Navajos? Well, uh, what happened was uh, I was kind of lost. I mean, I'd never been to the place before, ah, and there okay. was a guy sitting on waiting for a bus, sitting on a wall, mm -hmm. essentially. Uh, and I called out to him to ask him the way to uh, I forget even now where I was trying to get to, <laughs> and he he came over and said, uh, "Well, you know, I'll show you, if the, but can you take me to the reservation?" Right. Ah. And it turned out to be a Navajo Indian. Oh, I see. Uh, and I had no idea what a reservation was, really. Um, I certainly didn't understand that the Navajo reservation was bigger than several European countries, <laughs> 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 including Ireland, Holland, uh. Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we were just taking a trip to, you know, a place with a few park with a few teepees on the edge of town. You know, he, right, he didn't, yeah. he, and he didn't didn't wise me up. He just right, right. he didn't offer that information <laughs> before he got you to agree to give yeah, him a lift. Exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a smart guy. Yeah, very smart man. Yeah. Um, so it was basically through him because the first uh, stop was um, at a, a, a what the Navajos call. Uh, um, basically a cedar, uh, okay. which is where they uh, people believe they've been um, victims of witchcraft, witchcraft right. curses. And the medicine man comes along and uh, he finds the curses. Now, these curses are actually physical objects. They're not a form of words as it mm -hmm. is among, you know, sort of uh, Christian peoples. And, right, and so on. Right, right. These things are physical objects. And they're buried around the home or they're buried around the farm. Sometimes they're yeah. buried miles away. But the, the medicine man has a way of communicating with spirits and finding them. Yeah. I, it was really fascinating reading some of the stories in your book about how these things were like, first of all, they could be there for years uh, and yeah, they didn't they know. And, and they could be overgrown with plants. I think one of them was stuck inside a plant yep. they found. And, and they could be, yeah, like like off in a direction, buried in a grave, like all around these things. It, it kind of almost made me feel, what, does everybody have one of these things buried in their backyard <laughs> if you're a Navajo? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, of course. I mean, look, I, I, I've always tried to be an acute observer here. Yeah. I've never allowed myself to be sort of carried away with it. And I spent a lot of time thinking, well, the medicine man's burying these you know, and he's right. sneaking around burying them and then digging them up. Right. And it took time for me to realize that, I mean, the people who phone up and ask for help like this, I mean, you got to remember, this is a place as big as Ireland. Right. You know, um, we don't, we don't know these people. We've never right. heard of them until we call right. up. 
And it slowly dawns on you that the medicine man isn't running around burying them in secret because there are plenty of real witches who are really planting real curses around the place. And he's also, I mean, although the people may pay him, they're not getting, he's not like rich off of this stuff. He's not making tons of money by helping these people. He's he's surviving, but he's not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. I mean, um, the medicine men... Today, unfortunately, most of them are pretty old. Yeah. Uh, very few young men are taking up this task now, uh, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book. You know, the idea was to try and preserve as much of this way of life as I can before and, it goes. And, and I wanted to actually ask you a little bit about Blue Horse himself. Yeah. That Blue Horse isn't his actual name, no, right? No, it's not, no. Right, because you want to sort of protect people. To, to protect his identity. And, and yeah. you know, the subtitle of the book is The Peyote Diaries of Charles Correct. Langley. And, and peyote is still an illegal substance, technically, unless you're part of a na- native church. It, it's, uh, you know, that's... And, a, and it's, cra- I mean, you know, my, my, my viewers know, like, I'm totally <laughs> think it's crazy that we make these things illegal and that this stuff can be so healing and so good for people that it's, it's totally absurd. Um, especially it's part of their culture. Yeah. It's part yeah. of their religious, yeah. now religious spiritual rituals. Well, well the, situ- the legal situation now is the uh, relig- uh, uh, American Indian Religious Freedom Act, mm-hmm. Amendment Act, actually, uh, makes it entirely legal for Indian people to uh, b- keep, uh, transport, and use, I think is the phraseology, okay. peyote medicine in for traditional religious Purposes. reasons. Yeah. But um, that doesn't make it legal. I mean, you, you can't trade in this stuff. You can't sell right. it. Even yeah. Indians are not allowed to sell, sell it. They can only give it away and then only uh, for religious purposes. Yeah, I mean, uh, and this is one of the problems I had because Blue Horse wanted to help me bring up some peyote from the border. Right. So I said, yeah, fine. Little realizing that he was going to throw 360 pounds of <laughs> stuff in the back. So I'm driving this stuff down the border. We're, we're getting stopped every 10, 15 miles. Right. I'm getting paranoid. Back. And he's got all the the papers, it's perfectly legal for him. Yeah, for him, not for but, you. But the law doesn't say anything about a white man driving the truck. Right. You know? So, <laughs> so I, I was in this kind of legal limbo, and I still right. am a bit with these kinds of things. I'm not right. quite sure what the law, quite where the law well, is. Well, I do that. know that there are some Native American churches where if you're a member of the church, even if you're not a Native American yourself, you can still um, practice in these ceremonies. I know there's one... I forget what it stands for, ONAC, O-N-A-C, which is based out of Utah, is is one church that you can join um, that holds ceremonies, and, and they uh, have fought Supreme Court cases in order to be able to do this. But um, I don't want to dwell too much on the, on the legal side of things. But you actually, I mean, as you said, you became his apprentice. I yes, mean, I you did. actually yeah. stayed with him, did all these things, drove with him, went to ceremonies and stuff with him. I mean, that's pretty rare for somebody who's a British guy from across the pond to be able to study with a Navajo medicine man. How did you get to develop a relationship point where he would allow you to do this? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a really great question. And the first thing I would like to assure your, your listeners is this was not an overnight thing. This right. took a long time, actually. It took a period of years. Yeah. Um, I think what you just talked about my being British, I think helped here. Oh, uh, I okay. think if I'd been a white American guy, right. a lot of doors would have been shut Closed to, to me. Yeah. Being British was just exotic enough to get ah, me through the door. After that, okay. it was up to me. Right. Um, but I started going to me. They started letting me going, go to medicine meetings, you know, the religious meetings, mm-hmm. the all-night peyote meetings. Um, and I worked to start with with several medicine men. And when I say work oh, with them, what, okay. what I mean is I, basically I was chauffeur and bag carrier. And they, they, <laughs> they let me go around with them, you know, watch what they were doing and so yeah. on. And one day, and this was really strange, one day one of these guys turned to me and, and he said, and this is a paraphrase, but essentially mm. what he said was, you may not know this, but you're one of us. And we can see this in you. 
And if you are able to stay here, we'll teach you some of our traditional ways. Now, he didn't say all of them. He just said some Some of them. them. Well, I thought I wasn't likely to get two invitations like that. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. So I thought I'd better take him up on it, but it turned out he didn't mean him. (laughs) He He just meant, you know, Somebody, you know. somebody would. Um, but again, you know, one of the. Have, I'm just curious. Have yeah. you been interested in sort of these indigenous practices before you got exposed to all this? No, or is this all something new to you? No, I never even heard of the Navajo before I walked ah, up in New Mexico. Wow. Well, hardly ever. I was right. vaguely aware of the name. Right. No. Um, wow. I mean, it, it, it's. So it's really like the universe kind of guiding you to be in the right place at the right time. Do you know, Sam, that's exactly it. When I looked back on this, there were so many occasions when if I turned right at the crossroads instead of left, Mm. or spoken to that person instead of this person, none of it would have happened. Right. And and the other thing is, you know, I mean, um, uh, this guy said, well, you know, stay here and we'll teach you things. How many people can actually do that? Do I mean, that, most right. Most people right. have a job to go to. They've got right, a family, you know? Right. I was just lucky I didn't have a job to go because I walked <laughs> out. <you know>? Uh, <laughs> my family was all grown up in England. Uh, um, you know, I mean. It, so you had the freedom to be able to say yes. Yeah, well, but I could have said no. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I could have said no. Definitely your choice. It was definitely your choice. Uh, but I said yes. W- were there ever a moment. Like, like, particularly in ceremony, when you thought, what am I nuts for doing this? No, never. Ah, okay, no, I good. never, ever felt like that. I mean, there were a lot of things I had to learn, uh, including a lot of humility, actually. Mm, you know, yeah. you've been news editor of uh, one of the world's biggest evenings. I mean, you're used to telling people what to do, you know. Right, you right. know get that done. I want this on my desk in an hour, like, right, you know, all this right. kind of thing. Well, suddenly... (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly you're the low end of the totem pole. (laughs) I I am, you know. I I literally, I I became... I I called myself his apprentice, and he did make me his apprentice. The first few years, I was quite literally the bag carrier, chauffeur, and I used to say chief cook and bottle washer. I mean, I did everything. Uh, And it wasn't an easy job. One of the things we have is this sort of portable fireplace he uses, which I'll explain the the purpose of that as, as we go on. But, I mean, this thing weighs about 65 pounds. And I'm staggering around with this, plus his bags, you know, sort of right. training along after him. So I had to get used to things like that. But, no, I never regretted it for one second, right. not even half a second. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, hold that thought. And when we come back, let's talk about, you know, your relationship to Blue Horse and some of the things you saw and learned. And, yeah. and uh, let's talk a little bit sort of about your own internal transformation over that process, okay? That's just great. Yeah. Wonderful, Charles. Thank you so much. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with Charles Langley, author of the book Spirit Land, The Peyote Diaries of Charles Langley. And we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And 
welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. So, so Charles, you, you're 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 in New Mexico on a Navajo reservation. You you have an opportunity. You meet these these Navajo medicine men that probably you know you know Amer- other you know white people may have met them, but like never gave them a second look. And you actually had an opportunity, got invited to their spiritual ceremonies. Um, what was it like that first peyote ceremony you sat in on? Well, because those are a little bit different than the cedar and the other stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, the the peyote ceremonies. The, 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 this goes on all night, uh, and uh, it's a very uh, uh, religious experience: uh, drumming, singing, praying. Um, but the first one I went to was actually Mexico. Ah, and uh, I said I, I worked with a number of, of medicine men, one of whom was a man called Emerson Jackson, who was a past president of the NAC, the Native American Church, which was ah. the Peyote Church. And in fact, Emerson, yes. I think, was was chairman for twelve years. He was the longest serving chairman. Oh wow! Okay. Um, sadly, he he died a few years ago. He was a marvelous man. For some reason, and again, I can't explain this to you why Emerson took a shine to me and he, mm. he took me under his wing and he was going down to Mexico um, to uh, to hold a ceremony for some Indians down there mm-hmm. to show them how it should be done properly. Ah, okay. Uh, because um, a lot of people run medicine ceremonies and they're not really run strictly to the NAC rule. I mean, it's right. near enough, but it's not. You know, it's not the, the full thing. So they wanted to know the exact, precise way of doing it. Okay. So Emerson took me down there. <laughs> well, first of all, it was a very, very long night. <laughs> sure. It's the first time I'd ever sat cross-legged on the ground for 12 hours. Oh. From 9 o'clock in the morning, in the evening till 9 o'clock in the morning. I, I didn't take very much peyote because I was... Didn't know what on earth it was going to happen <laughs> if I did. Um, so I sort of, you know, the, the last three hours, I think, from six in the morning when the dawn came up till nine o'clock when we finished, I think it was probably the most agonizing three oh, hours I I've ever spent in my life. Wow. I thought my bones were going to come out through my <laughs> bum if I can if I can say that on air. That's yeah, you it, can say it. That's what it felt like. So, so you're, you weren't familiar with, at the time, Carlos Castaneda's books? And well, I'd read, uh, Castaneda, um, or some of it some when of it. I was quite a young man. Right. Um, but I mean, by this time, I mean, we're talking now about the um, about 2003, 2004. By this time, I think the huge bulk of opinion of people who studied Castaneda were, were that he basically had made it up. Um, mm. I mean, they're brilliant books, uh, they are, I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, but I have to say, um, all other things apart, I mean, the way he says peyote medicine works is not the way I, I would have, you know, not the way I've experienced it. I mean, yeah. people will experience it differently, differently. But, I mean, I think the, the huge preponderance now of um, scholarly opinion is that he did, in fact, make most of it up. Well, uh, I actually recently found out that the, there's... Um, uh, a Peruvian medicine man who mm-hmm. I study with, a shaman who I study with, who actually knew Castaneda's family. Yeah. And what he told me was that, although some of it might be made up, that that he really, what he did is he learned different things from different people and yeah. composited. He said it was actually three different people that he composited yeah. together yeah. to be Don Juan. And he goes, well, maybe Don Gennaro, you know, that might not have been true. This might not have been true. But he also said it. he was doing things for a very different purpose. Um, so the, 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 what you're reading is not about healing per se. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's about power. And uh, but what you experienced was more about healing, wasn't it? That's right. I mean, look, I've got considerable sympathy for what you did, Dustin, because in my first book, um, uh, Blue Horse was an amalgam of again amalgam of medicine men that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. It was only in the second book, the one I brought out now, that mm-hmm. he is the one person I became ah. apprenticed to. So I've got considerable sympathy with that. And right. They are brilliant right. books, I have to tell you. So yeah. if, you have, nobody's read, if you haven't read them, I would read them. Right. So go out and get it, Spiritland. It's on Amazon, is it? It's out on Amazon and Kindle. And yeah. Kindle, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, to come back to what you're saying, yeah, I mean, what we Navajo medicine is unbelievably complicated. Mm-hmm. Some of the ceremonies go on for f- three, four, five days. Wow. Um, now, this is not the kind of thing that we do. Uh, I mean, these these kind of very big, lengthy ceremonies are very specialized ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Probably um, the, the medicine man only does one of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... A, Blue Horse is more like a family doctor, more like a GP. Right. Yeah, and that was one of the things I found interesting yeah. in your book you brought out, that there are different medicine men, Navajo medicine men, who specialize in different types yeah. of ceremonies. And one medicine may only do one kind of ceremony, and another medicine man will only do one kind of another ceremony. That, that's right, because they're so complicated. I mean, yeah. if you think of a ceremony that's going on for five days, yeah. you've got all these different songs, these different prayers, these different parts of the ceremony, and they all have to be done precisely in the right order. Right. Uh, and the medicine man has to get it right every time, or he has to start again. Right, right. I mean, this right. is very demanding. I mean, you know, in a, its own way, it's as complicated as heart surgery or brain surgery. Yeah, yeah. But what we do is more like a GP. I mean, if we come yeah. across a really difficult case which we can't deal with, we will, or he will, not me, he will refer it right. to one of these uh, medicine men who does a really complicated four or five day ceremony. Right, right. But we're mostly dealing with people who have had runs of bad luck who think they may be cursed for instance and so they'll call him in to actually discover if they have been cursed and he has a a way of divination uh, using hot charcoals which are brought in and and this is my job (laughs) and I can assure you these things are are red hot even using a long handed shovel they can burn the hairs off my arms and I bring them in and he looks into these coals and he can look at the past, present, and future, and he can see what may have brought about your troubles. You know, mm. maybe someone's rear-ended your car, and mm. you don't think much about it, and then your horse dies, you know, mm. and then, then something else happens. Right. And you begin to wonder if you've been cursed, right. and that's when he called the medicine man. Right. Uh, and sometimes he says, look, you haven't been cursed, Right. Oh, You're okay. not being cursed. You're just having a run of bad luck. Okay. And then he will bless the whole house, and he uses special holy water and a huge eagle, huge eagle feather, which he no. he, he scatters it about. Um, and also in the case of illness, when people get oh, ill, no. um, Navajos almost always attribute that to witching. Ah. Uh, uh, and there was an example in your book of uh, someone who. Um, had some physical problems after his house got struck by lightning. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. That, that was very interesting. Uh, that was a guy um, who's, uh, that was uh, CJ, I think we call him in the book, mm-hmm. uh, who was um, a son of Blue Horse's wife. Right. right. Uh, and, yeah, lightning is a very bad thing among the Navajo. Mm-hmm. And to be struck by lightning is, is bound, I mean, well, <laughs> If you're not instantly incinerated, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some could say it's pretty good luck if you survive <laughs> and struck it, by lightning. It is bound to lead to, to problems, and um, in this case, CJ had been in a house that was struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. Now, among the Navajo, that can't be an accident. Mm. Right, this has got to be the result of some kind of witchcraft. Right. And he was a carpenter, and slowly his arms seized up, and he couldn't use them. Right. And so we had what's called a lightning way ceremony. It's a mm-hmm. two-day ceremony. In fact, it can go on longer. This right. was a sort of lightning way light, if you, if you right. want. Right. Uh, and this lasted two days in which he tr- was treated for this. And he got noticeably better. I say in the mm. book, you know, he got noticeably better as the ceremony went on. Right. Yeah, but it's a very complicated thing. Absolutely. And and there were a couple of stories in, in the book where he would use like a straw or a, or a hollow bone and would actually like suck things out of people or like out of a picture of the person that then they would be better. Yeah. Um, this is a thing that Navajo medicine men do mm-hmm. a lot. It's a kind of standard treatment. And... Um, it's not so much a straw. It's more, uh, if, if your listeners can visualize chopping out the middle part of a flute or something like mm-hmm. that. It's about that size. Oh, okay. And he will then suck uh, 
what they now call bad stuff out of people. Mm-hmm. Now, I've tried doing this myself, and it's extremely hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they'll actually pull physical stuff out right. of people. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I have to tell you this happened to me once. Um, oh. I had this tremendous pain in my, sh- my right shoulder. I couldn't explain it. But it was so bad. I mean, I was actually lying on the floor and saying to my wife, look, I wow. think you're going to have to take me to the hospital. Wow. And it it eased off a bit. I was going down to see Blue Horse. I got down there. He said, well, let me take a look at it. So he did the divination in the fire. And he looked and he said, Charles, you've been shot by a ghost arrow. These bad medicines man has been after me. And they fired these ghost wow. arrows at you. So I said, look, I'm going to get it out for you. So he got the tube, and he started sucking away at my my shoulder, and he pulled out an arrowhead. It was a tiny, tiny stone arrowhead, amazingly small. And he showed this to me. Now, look, I've got to tell you, I have a degree in anthropology. (laughs) 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 I I graduated cum laude. There's nothing wrong with my brains. Okay. Right? And I know or at least I think I know, uh-huh. you can't pull things out of people's bodies, you know, and not cause any harm. Right. However, for the next three days, he told me it'll take four days, because uh-huh. that's how long it takes for things to get to the spirit world and the spirits to, to fix everything. Oh, okay. Take four days. And your listeners can believe this or believe it not. For three days, it was like walking around with an open wound on my uh, shoulder. I couldn't see anything, but that's what it felt like. Gotcha. On the fourth day, it went. And yeah. it has never, ever returned. Wow. Complete cure. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So you, t- I mean, that's your personal experience, but you saw him do this for a lot of other people oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he sucked out all kinds of things, right? Not just little arrowheads, but yeah. other things too. Yeah, bones, stones, bones. Um, snake skin. Snakes yeah, this is all the kind of thing that Navajos believe the witch men mm-hmm. can actually put into you to cause harm. Mm. Uh, and they will say, you know, these people can do anything. No. And, uh, you know, it's strange to relate in our modern world. Where, where, you know, yeah. I was brought up, and this is one of the problems I had in the book, I was brought up, this is nonsense, you know, there's no such thing as witches, and if there are, you know, they can't do anything, and evil spirits, nonsense, how how ridiculous. And yet, I'm seeing in front of myself every day Mm. a man dealing with this kind of evil, counteracting this kind of evil, and the people get better. Mm. Right? Now, explain that. Yeah. No, that's that's fascinating. I mean, I know I've had enough interesting experiences in my life, and I know enough people who I've personally met who have had enough interesting experiences in their lives that, you know, as the old expression goes, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. You betcha. <laughs> All right. So with that, believe it or not, it's time for us to take our last break of the show. So when we come back, we'll wrap this up and we'll get a little more insight from Charles Langley. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth from Nourish the Soul, and on this show, you will uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to having a healthy relationship to food and your body. 
Join us every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Charles Langley, author of the book Spirit Land, all about his experiences with a Navajo uh, medicine man um, he calls Blue Horse and about these amazing, amazing experiences. And and you were just relating with me during the break, and, it, and it's in the book, of, of how Blue Horse would literally take these red hot coals and put it in his mouth and like blow it onto people he's working with. Yeah, this is a, a traditional thing of the medicine man. Uh, I mean, the, the Navajos don't use the word shaman. It wouldn't mean right, anything to right, them. Right. But, but I mean, it, it, that's how outsiders understand it. But the medicine man is his traditional mastery over fire. Mm. And he will take these red hot uh, coals and uh, charcoals, and I know they're red hot because I've just brought them in from the fire <laughs> outside. There's no it. trick involved. And he puts it in his mouth and he blows this hot breath over patients. It's a kind of healing breath blown mm. through the fire. Uh, and um, if, uh, if it's dark inside the Hogan or the teepee, his whole face will light up with this fire. It's a, quite a mesmerizing thing to mm. see. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you've, you've again, experienced some really incredible, um, almost otherworldly kinds of things being with Blue Horse in, the, in these ceremonies and other medicine men over the years. I mean, how do you reconcile it with your, you know, again, you're an anthropologist, an anthropology degree, you're a British journalist. Um, uh, what what do you want people to kind of glean from all these yeah. stories? Yeah. Well, this is the, the toughest thing I had to deal with. You mm. know, I'm brought up, um, most of your listeners will, most of the people in, in the Anglo-American world are brought up, you know, to believe that all this is nonsense. I mean, we're, we're terribly clever, well-educated people. Aren't right. we? we don't believe in witches or occult right. forces or evil spirits or good spirits or this kind of thing. Right. And then it keeps happening in front of your eyes over and over and over again. And, and how many years did you study with Blue Horse? Fifteen. Apprentice? I'm still at it. I'm oh, now, are you I'm still apprenticing yeah, still doing How, it, how yeah. old is Blue Horse now? Well, we don't really know. He yeah. doesn't really know, but he reckons he, he's, he's decided he's 76 this year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and, I mean, most of these medicine men now are pretty old. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, and I go into this in the book in some in some depth, um, where I try to to explain it actually by way of, of physics, hard line mm. science, right. right? Now the models that physicists use to explain the universe don't actually work very well, right? Right, and uh, I know this because my wife is one of the leading. <laughs> women physicists in this country. Yeah. So, most people have to buy a book if they want to know about this. I just asked the oh, missus. You know? <laughs> that makes research convenient. It yeah. makes it a lot easier, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they don't work very well uh, until you start adding in, mathematically you can do this, all sorts of things. Like, I think they're now up to 24 different dimensions. dimensions yeah. All sorts of forces, weird and wacky forces. And, uh, yeah. and you add these in and it works a lot better. Now, my model of Navajo medicine, model in inverted commas, would mm -hmm. work an awful lot better if I just rolled over and said, look, there are occult forces at work. Mm -hmm. There are spirits at work. I mean, mm -hmm. every Navajo I know and Blue Horse would say, well, of course they are. How do you think we do this kind of thing? <laughs> stupid Charles, come on. <laughs> right? Uh, and certainly it would work a lot better if, if I just, you know, if I just accepted that. Oh, yeah. I just find it, you know, I can't prove it. Right. And I really do need to keep one foot in the scientific world as much as I can. Yeah. If I could prove it, I'd be the first to say, look, 
occult forces, fellas, and I can prove it. Yeah. I can't prove it. All I can tell you is all the Navajos I know and all the medicine men that I know say that's how it works. Right, but you've experienced it over and over I've, and over again for 15 years. I've seen it at work, and right. I couldn't explain it any other way, right. to be honest. So you said most of these medicine men are, are pretty old now. Yeah. How come like the younger Navajo generation haven't picked up the mantle, do you think? Well, because, you know, like, Kids everywhere, they've got to get a job. Mm. Uh, you know, being apprenticed to a medicine man doesn't pay. Yeah. You know, I mean, he put a roof over my head and fed me, but I, mean, right. I don't get paid, and that's standard for, a, 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 for an, an apprentice. apprentice yeah. uh, you know, very few young people now are really interested in this kind of thing. Um, a lot of these traditions are going very quickly. The Navajo language is buckling to be quite honest i mean when i first went there nearly 80 percent of navajos spoke navajo today it's down to 30 percent wow uh, and that's in 15 years yeah and uh in the kindergartens and the junior schools where it really matters it's virtually zero wow so these things are now going very very fast indeed and the thing is you can't do the medicine Unless you speak Navajo, Navajo. Uh, because you, you you can do it in English, and, uh, and Blue Horse does do ceremonies in English, but he says it's not the same because same. you can't say the same in English as you're saying in Navajo. Yeah. So one of the major reasons I wrote this book was, I say in the preface, I'm trying to preserve history yeah. while it's still actually part of the present i can get at it you don't have to try and reconstruct it i can watch it and witness it and record it now the book isn't really all that long i mean it's less than 200 pages i imagine you must have a lot more to write about no well it's eighty thousand words which is sort of standard length for a book like that right yeah i mean (laughs) i did what any (laughs) any reporter would do i started writing up my notes every evening, you know, right. what had happened. Right. And I kept more and more detailed notes until I've now got an archive, which is probably about half a million words. Oh, wow. I mean, this is a really big archive wow. uh, of what actually medicine men do. I mean, yeah, right. there's some kind of time in the future, 100 years in the future when I hope it doesn't happen, but it may well be that all this is gone. Mm. You know, it's lasted from the Ice Age till now, but in 20 years it could be gone. In 100 years, almost certainly it will be gone. Mm. There'll be somewhere where people can look and see what actually happened and how it was done. So do you plan to publish more books after this? Yeah, um, I'm already working on a third book. Oh, wonderful. There may be a fourth. So hopefully we'll get together a full volume. And, work. and when did this book come out, or is it coming out? No, it's it's, it's out. out. It now? came out a few. It came out at the beginning of February. So beginning people February. can get it on Amazon. So or, now, or okay, great. And the first book you wrote again was? It's called Meeting the Medicine Man. Men. Meeting the Meeting Medicine, the medicine Man. Men. An Englishman's Travels Among the Navajo. It's rather uh. pretentiously called. <laughs> I, I've now cut that. That is just Meeting the Medicine Man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> great. Great. And so you're still apprenticing with Blue Horse. I'm still apprenticing now. You wow. might think 15 years is a long time to be apprentice. Let me tell you something. Yeah, you're just getting started. I, I, you, you, <laughs> I, I say things to medicine men like, you know, ask them a question. They say, what are you asking me for? I've only been a medicine man for 40 years. I don't know wow. anything. And then they'll point it to the hills and they'll say, but there's a few old men up there and they know a thing or two. Ah, okay. Maybe one day... I'll know a thing or two as well. Wow. So 15 years is nothing. Nothing. Really. And, and you, you mentioned to me before that, you know, they don't, the medicine men don't actually tell you what to do. No. Oh, goodness, no, no. Nobody, nobody says, do this, do that, this will happen. Right. You know, like a recipe or something. Right. They give you an opportunity to learn. You're supposed right. to watch, watch what he does how he does it right. and learn from that. Right. But but do you have, like, afterwards you had opportunities to, like, ask Blue Horse questions yeah, and course, get any yeah. explain things yeah, a little th- bit this to you? Is, this is one of the huge advantages that I have over, you know, occasionally university researchers will turn up and spend yeah. a couple of weeks on the reservation or something like that. But, I mean, I have the, the, the advantage that I'm there all the time. So anything I don't understand... You know, I'm able right. to ask him afterwards. Wonderful. You know? um, 
And a lot of it's done in Navajo. Uh, I don't I don't speak much Navajo. Right. Um, but I understand quite a bit. So I usually ah, I can usually okay. get what they're talking so about. Over the years, you've learned to yeah, some of it. But I mean, this day and age, a lot of Navajos don't speak Navajo. So it's yeah. not as much of a disadvantage as you might think. <laughs> but, you know, I can always Jeez. debrief Deep brief blue horse on the way back and find out Wonderful. anything I've missed. Well, I'm so, so grateful for you to take time out of your schedule to come here in studio today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. And again, uh, Charles Langley, the name of the book is Spirit Land, the Peyote Diaries of Charles Langley. It's actually about a lot more than just the peyote ceremonies. It is. It's a lot about the healing ceremonies, a lot about how Blue Horse undoes these curses, um, and Charles's own personal journey throughout all of this. So um, thank you, Charles. Thank you. All right. And thank you, my loyal listeners. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, if you're on the Facebook live stream, obviously, this isn't the usual time of my show, but you can catch me every Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern time on my regular times. And we'll be airing the show in that slot in a couple of weeks and we'll reshare the Facebook stream for you then. So thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for our other shows on the network and I will talk to you real soon. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday, 9 to 10 Eastern Time, and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth from Nourish the Soul, And on the show, you will uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to having a healthy relationship to food and your body. Join us every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.